Let all the people praise Thee, O God. Let all the people praise Thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. Psalm 67, 5 and 6 This is a little book called Praise Changes Things by Mrs. Letty Kalman, the author of the beloved devotional Streams in the Desert. Many homes display the motto, Prayer Changes Things, and great blessings have resulted from this simple statement. We're all aware that prayer does change things. We know also that many times the enemy has not been moved one inch from his stronghold, although we've persisted in prayer for days, months, yes, often years. Such was my own experience when passing through a time of very great pressure, and prayer did not change things. I came into possession of a wonderful secret. That secret is simply this. After we've prayed and believe, praise changes things. One morning during the summertime, a fellow missionary who was then a guest in our home went out into the garden for a stroll among the flowers. He returned after a short time, holding in his hand a lovely white pigeon, which he had found beside the garden walk. One of its wings was injured, and it couldn't fly. The missionary became greatly interested in its welfare, building a coat from an old wooden box to shelter it from the weather, and feeding it morning, noon, and night. As the days came and went, the pigeon became quite tame. It would watch its mates as they soared away up through the heavens blue, making no attempt to use its wings and follow them in their flight. Poor little bird with a broken wing. Our hearts were knit to the wee thing in tender sympathy, for were we not also prisoners? Prayer had gone up from our hearts almost unceasingly. One long, yearning cry for deliverance from the bondage which held us. Not one rift in the cloud could we discern. Although our prayer wing was fully developed, we were like the little bird, bound. We do praise God that throughout those dark days we were kept from fainting. Faith ever beheld a star of hope. Our loving Lord drew our attention at this time to an altogether new line of attacking the enemy. His word unfolded, step by step, and such a revelation of the secret of obtaining victory was given that our prayer life underwent a complete transformation. We discovered that two wings were necessary to mount the soul Godward. Prayer, praise. Prayer asks. Praise takes or obtains the answer. I fancy that some who read these lines may say, I too have prayed and prayed, but I don't feel like praising God. Praise when my heart is bleeding and torn. Praise when the pressure is greatest. Praise when walking through the valley of the shadow with the one I've loved better than my own life. Nay, tell me rather to weep. How can I praise God at such a time? In Psalm 107.22, we find these words. Sacrifice. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. What is sacrifice? It's an offering to God. A sacrifice of thanksgiving is to praise God when you don't feel like it, when you're depressed, 
and despondent, when your life is covered with thick clouds and midnight darkness. This is acceptable to God, a sweet-smelling Savior to our Lord and King. While we are admonished to pray without ceasing, are we not also commanded to rejoice evermore? Again, for this is the will of God concerning you. When shall I praise God? When I feel happy and when everything's moving along smoothly? When there's no trial crossing my pathway? It would be no sacrifice to praise God at such a time as this. Sacrifice hurts. It costs. It costs blood. The book of Jonah contains a very precious truth, which throws a great deal of light upon this subject. No one could have been in a place where the outlook was darker. Jonah was at the bottom of the sea with the weeds wrapped around his head. What a desperate situation. Humanly speaking, every ray of hope was gone, and he said, My soul fainteth within me. But listen, in his trouble he also said, I will look again toward thy holy temple. He did the very sensible thing when he took his eyes off the discouraging surroundings, put them in the rightful place, and began to pray. He then went a step further and determined to praise without feeling, saying, I will sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. What a place for a praise meeting, and what a song! Salvation, deliverance is of the Lord. As he sang and praised, the great whale began to rise toward the surface of the water and move out toward the shore, and Jonah soon found himself upon the dry land. Praise has a wonderful lifting power. We need not be anxious about the outcome of things if we will but take the attitude of deliverance and begin to praise. When Jonah's soul fainted within him, he deliberately looked right away from his impossible surroundings and uttered these wonderful words, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Let's note this lesson. When Jonah was hemmed in on every side, everything that he could see which suggested disaster, he called a lying vanity. If he hadn't taken his eyes off these lying vanities he would have forsaken the mercy that God offered him. We never get faith by looking at ourselves, our surroundings, our difficulties. We read in 1 Samuel of Saul being tormented by an evil spirit. David was sent for, and the record says, When David played upon his harp, the evil spirit left Saul, and he was well. Is not this a splendid way of getting rid of the enemy when he attacks us with mental depression? The weakest saint made Satan rout, who meets him with a praiseful shout. Martin Luther once wrote these words, When I can't pray, I always sing. It is said that there is not one despondent note to be found in the New Testament. In Second Chronicles, there's a thrilling narrative concerning a battle won through praise. Jehoshaphat was told that a great multitude was coming against him from beyond the sea. He fully realized the difficulty of the situation and went to the Lord with his trouble. His was a humble prayer. We have no might against this great company. Neither know we what to do, 
but our eyes are upon Thee. Not upon the greatness of the difficulty, but upon Him. It was a crucial test, but the Lord didn't leave Jehoshaphat in doubt as to His will, but made it known through one of the young men who spoke these words of the Lord, The battle is not yours, but God's. Ye shall not need to fight. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Fear is a deadly enemy. Let's remember when we're tempted to tremble that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 And then Jehoshaphat appointed singers who should go forth before the army singing, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. All this they did and not yet one visible sign of the promised salvation of the Lord. Right in the very face of battle, against an army mighty in number, they sang, Praise the Lord! The inspired record says, When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and they were smitten. Two of the allied opposing armies began to fight the third, and when they had demolished them, They turned upon each other until the valley was filled with dead bodies and none escaped. They had more than victory after this, for we read, Jehoshaphat and his people were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. So you see, they were much richer at the end of the trial than at the beginning. They had added good, which they had never dreamed of possessing, and the way of the wicked was turned upside down. There are two songs in Jehoshaphat's great battle, the song of praise before and the song of deliverance afterwards. We also should have two songs, a song in the valley of Barakab, blessing, praising God for the fulfillment of all that He's promised, but it's more precious to have the song of praise before, praising Him without sight, or feeling, while we see him set ambushments against the enemy and complete the victory. Shall we not have both? The marvelous experience which Paul and Silas had while in prison is but another example of the result of praise at midnight. They were bound in an inner prison, their feet fast in the stocks because they had preached the old-time religion. Such preaching always stirs up opposition and brings persecution for the enemy doesn't wish any invasion of his territory. There was no earthly way to escape for them, and it looked as if they would lose their lives the next day. But there's always a divine way out of a difficulty. No matter how great the difficulty may seem, we have the sure promise made by the unfailing promiser. But God will, with the temptation or testing, also make a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13 The God of the impossible can make ways where there are no ways. Do we hear Paul and Silas complaining of the hardness of the way? Are they grumbling? Weeping? Wondering why the Lord has allowed them to get into this peculiar predicament? We do praise God that no sound of murmuring came through all those prison walls. In that uncomfortable position in prison, their backs bleeding from wounds inflicted by the throngs, They praised God, offering unto Him the sacrifice of thanksgiving. 
Methinks their duet ran something after this fashion. His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for me. His strength is made perfect in weakness. His grace is sufficient for me. As they sang and praised, the miracle was wrought. The foundation of that dingy old prison began to tremble. The building rocked and swayed. The doors burst open and they were free. Everyone's bands were loose. Thus the Lord takes the things that are against us and transforms them into blessings for ourselves and others, even using our enemies to fight for us. Beloved, is it a midnight time in your life? Are you in a dungeon? Your feet held fast in the stocks? Have you given up in hopeless despair, thinking that escape is impossible? Begin right now to praise God. Whoso offereth the sacrifice of thanksgiving, glorifieth me, and prepareth a way that I may show him the salvation of God. Psalm fifty twenty three. God's word is true. When you begin to praise, he will send the earthquake and set you free. He will break every yoke. Isaiah 58, 6. Habakkuk, that prophet of old, knew something of this wonderful secret of victory, for he too sang a song of praise in his darkest hour. Catch the echo. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk three seventeen and 18 May we not conclude that at the close of his song, he did what some real old-fashioned Methodists were wont to do? For he adds, he will make my feet like hinds feet. We read in the book of Joshua how the walls of Jericho fell flat after they were compassed about seven days. God had declared that he had given them the city. Faith reckoned this to be true, so they began their march around the walls using as their only weapon that which indicated triumph, a ram's horn. Unbelief might have prayed this kind of prayer. O oh Lord, Make the walls totter just a little, or loosen a few stones so that we may have a sign that thou art going to answer our prayer, and then we will praise thee. Prudence might have said, It's not safe to shout until the victory is actually won, lest the Lord be dishonored before the people and we be greatly humiliated. This wouldn't have been faith at all. They acted on the authority of God's word and shouted the shout of faith before there was a sign of encouragement, and the Lord accomplished the rest. It's after we make a full commitment that He will bring it to pass. How many walls of difficulty would fall flat were we to simply march around them with shouts of praise? As we compass walls with praise, the Lord has promised to compass us about with the songs of deliverance. Thou waitest for deliverance, O soul, thou waitest long. Believe that now deliverance doth wait for thee in song. Sigh not until deliverance thy fettered soul doth free. 
With songs of glad deliverance, God now doth compass thee. There's a legend which tells of two angels who come from heaven every morning and go on their rounds all day long. One is the angel of requests. The other is the angel of thanksgiving. Each carries a basket. That belonging to the angel of requests is soon filled to overflowing, for everyone pours into it great handfuls of requests. But when the day is ended, the angel of thanksgiving has in his basket only two or three small contributions of gratitude. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? A missionary in dark China was living a defeated life. Everything about him seemed to be touched with sadness. Although we prayed many months for victory over depression and discouragement, no answer came. His life remained quite the same. He determined to leave his post and go to an interior station where he could be quiet and spend long hours in prayer until victory was assured. Upon reaching the place, he was entertained in the home of a fellow missionary, and on the wall of his bedroom hung this motto, Try Thanksgiving. The two words gripped his heart, and he thought within himself, Have I been praying all these months and not been praising? He stopped and began to praise God, and was greatly uplifted. Instead of hiding away to agonize in prayer, he returned immediately to his waiting native converts to tell them that praise changes things. Wonderful blessing attended his simple testimony, and the bands that had bound others were loosed through praise. I wish to add my own humble testimony to that of my fellow missionary. It was a dark, dark night in my life when the words, Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, Psalm 65, 1, were impressed upon my mind. I'd been waiting in prayer for months. The months were now stretching on into years, piled up, as it were, before God. Could I now wait in praise before I saw the answer, or must I wait for signs and wonders ere I believed his word? God was waiting for me to take this final step in faith. And when I began to praise Him for the answer, to wait in praise, to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him, He began to answer in a manner that was exceeding abundantly above all I could ask or think. The possession of the secret of victory has transformed my life and filled it with unutterable gladness. The story is told of Sir Michael Costa that he was holding a rehearsal one night with his vast array of musicians and hundreds of voices. The mighty chorus rang out with thunder of organs, sounding horns, and clashing of cymbals. And far back in the orchestra, one who played the piccolo said within himself, In all this din, it matters not what I do. Suddenly, all was still. The great conductor had stopped flung up his hands. Some would have failed to take his part. The sweet note of the piccolo had been missed. Let all the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. Psalms 67, 5 and 6. 
Is your praise note missing from the heavenly choir? Are you waiting? Waiting, yearning for God to answer your prayer? He's waiting to answer. Try thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice.